that was super easy to summarize because it's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's going to be better. Brought to you by Island. This is the Cloud Bytes podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with losing control of the infrastructure. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for Island, and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes strong cloud controllers. Let's start by having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about loss of control in the cloud. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for having me back. My name is Stu Miniman, and I have changed jobs since the season one of the Cloud Bytes. I am now the director of Market Insights with the Cloud Platform Business Unit at Red Hat. And before I was at Red Hat, I had been an analyst and host of The Cube. So great to be with you again. And when it comes to control, you know, it's all natural is, you know, so many of us in IT started with things I could, you know, touch and hug the gear. I understand what's going. You know, if somebody snapped on a cable and things broke, I understood what broke and how it fixed. Now I need to manage. I'm responsible for things that I can't necessarily touch. So I've got all the responsibility and there's that concern as to, oh boy, I'm on the hook. And what if I don't know what broke? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm Jonathan Pierce. I'm an architect with Kindred at Home. And I think I was one of the people that was most concerned about loss of control and moving to the cloud. It kept me up late at night, scared, and I've finally embraced it. Howdy, y'all. Joe Hughes here. Thanks for having me back. Currently, solutions architect for Veeam Software. In my past experience on the customer side, I was slightly concerned at first with losing control with migrating to the cloud. But then I thought about all the things that we controlled that we were pretty bad at or that caused some very, very bad outages that should not have happened even sometimes due to just uh, bad communication. So sometimes it's a little bit better when there are people that are better at doing the things you shouldn't be touching. Great. Thank you all for joining me. It's no surprise that one of the top three concerns customers have when moving to the cloud is the loss of control of the infrastructure. After years of maintaining most, if not all, the components supporting applications, moving to the cloud means no longer managing at least the bottom half of the stack. Stu, you kind of touched on this already in your introduction. Why do you think it is that there's clearly a bigger concern when one of the biggest advantages of moving to the cloud is not having to manage those lower levels of the infrastructure? Brian, I want to pick up on something that Joe mentioned. There are some things that people, you know, maybe they're not as good at it as they think. You know, if you ask people, are you a good driver? 90% of people say that they're excellent driver. And of course, we know that 90% of people are not excellent drivers. 50% of people are below average drivers, just if you look at the (laughs) statistics alone. So as an analyst, I used to tell people there are a lot of things that either A, you suck at, or B, even if you're good at, why are you doing it? You know, earlier in my career, you know, I think many of us can think about, you know, how many rollouts did we have of exchange? You know, how much do I have to worry about configuring mailboxes? You know, what kind of storage do they have? All that sort of thing. When Microsoft and Google pushed everyone to just consume it as an online service, 
wow, you know, it's not like there's no issues. And, you know, hey, every once in a while, there can even be a challenge with, you know, Microsoft Office 365 in the cloud. But there are things that I really shouldn't focus on in my environment. So, you know, in some ways, you need to flip these things on the head. What does the business need? Are there things that I can consume as SaaS? Are there things that I shouldn't have to manage? I spent a bunch of years looking at the serverless world. And you talk to people doing serverless, they don't even know about like storage and networking and all those things, because the underlying platform just takes care of it for them. So, the opportunity, of course, is to get out of these environments. There's very few companies that should be pouring concrete and figuring out power and cooling. And there's a lot of companies that, okay, what pieces of the infrastructure do I need to manage? And that is the opportunity of the cloud. Understand what are the things that are relevant for your business? What are the things that you should be driving that can help your business? And how do we get there? It's not going to happen all overnight. You know, my background is on infrastructure and we know that this journey of transforming my application portfolio takes time and there's still stuff in your data centers. We're figuring out what happens in the cloud and how I consume it. But that loss of control, we need to flip it to an opportunity. What are the things, the expertise that I have that I can help my business? How can I partner with the groups that need the services for too long, we've had a, just such a disconnect between the people that own the infrastructure and the applications that sit on top of it. And we know the only reason we have infrastructure is for the applications and the data that sit there. So those are the important pieces. There's been some great discussions happening in the industry. You know, we talk less about storing data and we talk more about leveraging data. And so there's just a big change that's been happening in the industry. And that is, you know, the number one thing here, that rapid pace of change. Those of us that lived in the early days of virtualization, it's let me shove an application in a VM and never think about it today. Today's customers, as they're building their applications, they know that those applications are going to change. It is not something that I just stick it in there and it's iceberg, but I need to be updating things all the time, especially if I want to be up on the latest security patches and what's happening. So it absolutely is a challenge. There are those big mindsets that need to change. And we know in IT, Oftentimes, it's not the technical hurdles, but it is all those, you know, the layer eight and nine, you know, up on the stack is the politics, the organizational challenges that we have. I think Stu absolutely hit it on the head. It's that change in mindset. I know I was really worried about losing control because that's what I've done for 20 years. I was the guy racking and stacking and cabling. If there was a raid card issue, I was fixing that or troubleshooting any issues on the underlying infrastructure. And when it came to moving to the cloud and losing that ability, that thing that I've done forever, that scared the daylights out of me. But then I thought of all the things that you gain from not having to manage it, you know, not having to have late night patching sessions or dealing with firmware upgrades or getting business buy-in on having to take something down for an extended period of time for a cutover. And once my mind changed and I figured out everything I was getting in terms of what I was giving up in terms of control, I got a whole lot more sleep at night. Well, something you said there too is, you know, the average person working in our industry, it's not like you're looking for things to do. You have a long list of things you'd like to accomplish as long as the things that were taking off your plate 
will free you up to do things that provide more value to the business and hopefully are more enriching from a career standpoint, you're in good shape. You know, you mentioned like racking, stacking, cabling. Remember when converged infrastructure first rolled out or hyperconverged infrastructure? If your value to the business was, I was really efficient at cabling and stacking and making sure that all this stuff worked. Oh my God, my vendor just took that off my plate. What do I do? Then there's some retraining that you need to do. And there's things that you need to look at your career growth overall. Yeah. I remember, you know, first being the guy who turned all the nerd knobs, right? It was, I've got to understand what all the knobs are. I have to know where they've got to be properly set. Then it got to the point of this is boring. And why are we doing this? Like, there's no reason we should be doing this. It became the automation of, let me go set all the nerd knobs and then I can check all the nerd knobs and look, they're all fine. And nobody had to get up from their desk to go turn any of them. Your points do about exchange. That one rings so true with me because I remember back in 2017, we hosted Jeff Snover from Microsoft, who was the father of PowerShell, right? The guy who really finally brought automation to Windows because he kind of took this mindset of, Let's invest in a tool that will make most of these problems go away and just obfuscate all this stuff, make it so much easier to manage you know, things everywhere. And he said, does your company make better widgets or more widgets based on you being a better or the best exchange administrator in the world? No. You know what's a really good decision for your company? Paying the 5 or $7 a month to make that Microsoft's problem. You know who's really great at running exchange? Microsoft. Like, Just pay the money every month and make it go away. And he said, we even have this mindset at Microsoft. He said, I'm a technical fellow at Microsoft, but Microsoft will never have a technical fellow of cafeterias. We provide great food for all of our employees, but that's not the core of our business. We're not going to ship more software based on being better at cafeteria management or things like that. He said, we write a check to somebody else that's better at that and make that problem go away. Yeah. And that's what everyone should be looking to go to the cloud for in the first place is to offload that expertise to somebody that is going to be doing it full time all the time, you know, each individual company, unless you're you know really, really large, isn't going to be able to hire multiple people dedicated to managing storage. Most companies have one, maybe two storage arrays and one person that does a part time. And so having an organization that can have five or six storage administrators managing tens of arrays, maybe dozens of arrays, will have much better experience, will be much better at fixing them when they inevitably go wrong. And I like what you were talking about, John, about how you mentally helped yourself get through this. I think that's great advice. I'd like you to dig a little bit further into that. And as a customer who went through this transition, tell us a little bit about how accountability changed. Does your management still today still hold you responsible for an outage that a cloud provider has? Do they come stand at your desk until AWS or Azure, whoever you're using, fixes that particular problem? Or do they look at you and say, okay, it's not on our side, it's on their side, go find something else to do and let me know when it comes back up? That was actually one of the best changes in moving to the cloud. Dealing previously with outages in a large enterprise I would have multiple directors coming up to me while I'm trying to triage and troubleshoot what the issue was saying, what is it? How soon is it going to be back up? Where are we at on this? And then their boss coming and asking the same questions and their boss coming and asking the same questions. And I'm fielding questions instead of triaging whatever the issue is and trying to restore that to whatever it needs to be. Now, hey, we've got an outage. Yep, that's Azure. No ETA on when that's going to be back up. Great. 
we'll send out a notification to everyone, letting them know and uh, let us know when it's back up and we'll send out another notification that, you know, services restored. Great. We'll do. And we're with pretty much every cloud. So when something goes down, I already know about it because of Twitter. Hey, yeah. Yep. Microsoft Teams is down. Azure is down. AWS has a hiccup. Google has a hiccup. We're aware of that. It's not us. It's them. We'll let you know when it's back up. Great. And it's a night and day difference of being screamed at. Who made a change? What happened? Where are we at? When is it going to be back up? And moving to the cloud, it just made everything, I wouldn't say easier, but simpler. That loss of control means I don't have to fix the cloud outage. I don't have to, you know, scramble on Google trying to figure out what this error code means. And that's been awesome. John, it's fascinating to hear you talk about that. I think back many years ago, the biggest mind shift for me going from enterprise architecture to dealing with the clouds was in the enterprise, you really hardened everything. You know, it was N plus two power supplies. Everything was overly redundant. And if you follow how things are supposed to be built in the cloud, you expect that things will fail <laughs> and your application needs to stay up. Hopefully I'm surprised to hear you say that like, Oh, there's a cloud outage. That's okay. Is some pressure put on your team to like, well, Hey, Netflix doesn't go down. The cloud services, you know, can't go down. So how do you balance that? Yes, we're reliant on third parties, but architecturally you need to be doing things to make sure that you are resilient even when the chaos monkey does its thing. <laughs> well, that's a thing. So we've architected to best practices. We've ensured that we have high availability. But if Azure AD goes down and no one can connect to O365, I don't have to sweat. Oh, it's down. Oh, people are screaming. They're not getting emails. Yeah, it's not just us. It's every O365 customer. And we've built it the right way. These things happen. It's unfortunate. But we are blameless as far as this outage is concerned. And that went from always being blamed for the outage and having to prove that, you know, hey, this isn't me. I have to dig and do the root cause analysis and show it wasn't an, an architectural issue. It wasn't somebody hit the wrong button. But now it's, hey, that's Microsoft's. That's AWS's issue. That's IBM Cloud's issue. Yeah, it's good to hear that you guys had that culture shift, right? That the company became mature enough in the applications and the services that it was reliant on, that it understood it was willing to take the occasional outage or the service being offline that's outside of your control for the decreased or, or shifted cost of you all no longer managing all of the infrastructure for that, but just the availability of the service itself. And sometimes it is nice to just be able to point to a dashboard or a status page from you know an Azure or an AWS or Google to say, here it is. Anybody can watch this page. And when you see this box change from red to green, that at some point after that, things will come back online. Yeah, John, would you say that overall your number of issues has gone down? Are you dealing with new issues that make up for the old issues you had? Or is your number of issues gone down? And, you know, if you can, maybe put kind of a percentage to that. Our numbers of issues have gone down so tremendously. I'd say by 90%. Wow. where we had teams of analysts, you know, just working tickets, working issues, problem tracking. So now we're not worrying so much about that, that we're more focused on building a better box, providing better healthcare, being more innovative. And it's 
really been amazing to transform from, all right, I got to build this box. I got to patch this box. I got to upgrade this box. I got to move these things to, all right, I'm in these high level discussions on how do we build a better mousetrap and being able to execute on that instead of, all right, my calendar's clear today. I know there's going to be issues. Let me just wait for the first fire to pop up that I can put out and go from fire to fire. Oh yeah. I remember those days. It's awesome. And I was completely against moving to the cloud. What a fool I was. <laughs> yeah, that's a great benefit to call out there. Joe, when it comes to evaluating different cloud providers that customers are looking at, what kind of things would you recommend that they look for? What should they be having on their criteria list to ensure they've got the visibility over those things they may not have control over. Because in a lot of times, like John mentioned, being able to look at a dashboard and say, look, it's down is a huge tool. What other things are there that cloud providers provide that they should be looking for? I would say the dashboards, the monitoring and reporting for the cloud platforms or any service that you're consuming itself are very important, right? Go see what's available to you you know, do like John said, go hit up Twitter, go look for, you know, the last outage that was something that was very large or go search around and find, you know, Microsoft outage, you know, go search for certificates or DNS, you know, you're pretty quick and easy to find something that went down inside of Azure that was due to, you know, some backend system that somebody forgot about or never got automated years ago or things like that, right? But go find those links and go look at those status pages and see how good they are at reporting when things are down, what the availability is of them overall or over the last week versus month versus year and see how granularly they break down that information. And one of the best pieces of information, actually, I would say is look at their outage reports, right? Look at their root cause and look at the basically no blame explanation that they have of the outages. They're getting really good. They're getting to the point of having like multiple pages where you can read to find out what actually happened with Azure AD or with certificates or with DNS or even a particular um, data center going offline or having reduced connectivity that caused intermittent outages, right? And then go look at things like, you know, the comment you had made or, or sorry, the question you'd asked of Jonathan of looking at uh, Netflix and having those things never go down. They do have outages, right? But go look at even their reports of platforms like Netflix that run things like Chaos Monkey, where they intentionally attack their infrastructure to see what happens and how they've built and architected their infrastructure, you'll see how they're consuming those cloud platforms. And somebody that's running these things at that scale may identify problems that you would never think of or you would never run into until you're completely in the cloud and reliant on some of these services and you find out, oh, there's a limitation or there's a particular feature I was hoping to use that doesn't work as well or exactly like I assumed it did. Right. Just start reading lots of information and for a lot of it, you know, see what people have done incorrectly or they've done wrong and learn from that. Yeah, I'll chime in there. It's the whole space of what I can see and what I have to look at has been going through a lot of change like everything else in our industry. I'm not a deep expert, but been watching what we call observability, which at a high level is Rather than having, you know, just specific alerts, I need to understand how the system works because it's one of the challenges today in the cloud and cloud native world, all my wonderful microservices and things changing every millisecond. 
if I can't look at the trends and if I can't look at how the system is behaving as a whole, it's going to be really hard to figure out how things work. So in the open source world where I spend most of my time these days, there's things like Prometheus and Thanos and Jaeger are some of the tools in the space that we've been baking into our platforms and working with to give us that visibility into the underlying pieces. Because I think Joe said it great. The cloud providers, they are giving us more and more information. The problem is they're also giving us more and more information. So if I have to go to my dashboards and I have to worry about alerts, I'm going to be behind what happens. So how can I leverage the intelligence that this whole wave of you know machine learning and the like? I need to be able to build systems that can monitor themselves, put in the criteria that are happening, and be able to react and adjust as needed. So definitely an area where we see our customers spending more time on. It's fascinating to see in the open source world, you know, it's some of the big companies where some of the technologies and the solutions for this space are coming. So absolutely an area where there's a new definition of how we think of control and how we interact with our systems and definitely watch this space. So one thing to add as just being the infrastructure guy and and this being what I always fall back to as well. One thing that's always important to understand is that the availability that you're promised, like all the SLAs that you are given from a cloud vendor are going to be for the platform or the service that you're consuming, right? It's not your data. It's not accessibility of how you built your application. It's just that the platform will exist that you can run this on. So if you're not architecting things correctly, if you're not protecting your data or Even more so, if you're not looking into the things that the cloud vendors specifically say are your responsibility to secure, that's going to be, you know, resume generating events. Yeah, no, Joe, that's such an important point that you made there. You know, the little plug on my standpoint, we've had a lot of our customers are starting to move to managed services where our team manages more up the stack and it is less rigid than, say, you know, the shared responsibility model that you'll find from a certain leading cloud provider and understanding where those geek knobs are, where, you know, my provider's responsibility ends and where my picks up is a big discussion that we're having these days. Yeah, Island is rolling out similar opportunities around being able to manage up the stack. Things like DR as a service is a big part of our product line and being able to tell customers, hey, we can manage the whole failover process if and when you need it, to knowing that customers may be dealing with something even bigger than their data center being down in those moments. That's such a big advantage. Back in the day, doing DR exercises once a year, that's great, and you got some skill in it, but being able to pay people that that's what they do, you know, they're experts in it. Going back to Joe's analogy of technical fellow of cafeterias, you know, If you can get a managed service provider to take that off your plate, absolutely go for it. It allows you to focus on the business. And that's the most important thing, not doing DR exercises once a year. No one's going to be an expert at it doing it once a year. Well, I mean, you can now even, you can carry it to operations as well though, right? Your architects can now design your applications and your services that you're consuming and the layout and the connectivity and everything that you are using on-prem in the cloud as a hybrid, right? All of that can be built and can be made to be consumable by 
essentially everyone else in the organization, right? If you're putting the correct rules and restrictions in place, if you're setting the right policies for a lot of these things, if you're automating as much of this as you can and orchestrating so that when things get changed, it's easy to verify was this done properly or not, things like that, you know, it becomes a level set for everybody. Everybody now has basically that skill set or can understand what things are happening inside of the environment. And is this good or is it bad or was it at least intentional? And it just becomes a huge level set that what used to be tribal knowledge that lived within a handful of people or only the architect of an entire enterprise organization can now be common knowledge amongst everybody that has access to these portals and these services. That's interesting because cloud started off as being shadow IT and something that was more easily hidden from central IT. And it sounds like what you're saying, Joe, is that as we move into more of a cloud-centric approach to IT, IT now centralizes things more into the cloud and therefore has better visibility over what's going on there, assuming people aren't going around and swiping their credit card and some other cloud providers. Most of us in central IT were not thinking about the fact that the business needed these services or specific business units needed some of these services. And if we weren't going to provide it to them, they were going to find out how to get it elsewhere. And unfortunately, a lot of these shadow IT instances ended up doing it much more effectively than central IT, right? They got lots of teams or lots of individuals that had different needs and different experience and different skill sets together. And they were able to just scrape together resources to make these things happen. And a lot of times in a much quicker and much more if you want to say fluid or DevOps or, you know, agile, whatever methodology you want to say this was, you know, they put all these pieces together and went through a lot of the fail fast. Oh, that didn't work. Let me go try this thing. Let me go try this. Let me actually document and figure out what worked and what didn't. And here were the assumptions that I made. These were wrong. Right. And, and they got to something that worked for them. And a lot of times they learned a lot of things and documented it along the way, which if you looked at what central IT did in that same amount of time, it was not impressive. That was exactly my experience. I think John really summed it up well. You know, don't fear that the loss of control can actually be turned to your advantage in a new way. Absolutely, right? Take your free time to figure out how to innovate. Like, how does your company make money or make widgets or do whatever is the core of the business and spend more time focusing on that? Yeah. And the irony I'm picking up here is that while some of the surveying I've done at VMware user groups showed this as a very clear top three concern, both for individuals and for their companies. In all reality, it seems like this is kind of a no-brainer situation. Like this is not something that you should really be concerned about because the advantages far outweigh the disadvantages. What it comes down to is that the cloud technical teams can manage their infrastructure better than we can as individual companies and have bigger teams that they can throw at it so they can have that higher level of expertise that most businesses won't ever be able to touch And that gives you that ability to change that concern into an opportunity to show more value to the business and find advantages like, you know, avoiding off hours work, plus that shoulder surfing that your boss does when there's an outage, having more direct business benefit. And honestly, as individuals having to manage your own careers, there's huge benefits in being able to say, I helped move a company to the cloud. And of course, when you get into having to manage that environment, you'll probably find that there's less troubleshooting and outage work that you're going to have to do, less firefighting, simply because of the fact that there is less of it that you're managing. It's not like you're reducing the number of layers that have to be managed. You're just offloading those to somebody else. And again, somebody else who can do it more efficiently and do it with better expertise. And ultimately, you know, if you do it right, you can build 
resiliency on top of the cloud that can provide far better availability because it's no longer bound by data center needs or by having one particular stack to manage if you're doing a multi-cloud approach to things. When you're looking at moving into the cloud, it's important to know how it's going to fail as much as it is to understand how it's going to work in the first place. So look at status pages, look at social media, go back and find the outages that that cloud provider has had in the past. And generally speaking, most outages that a cloud provider has are going to be pretty public. You know, it's going to affect more than one customer. And you'll be able to go back and review some of the things that they create around, you know, what communications do they send to customers? What kind of root cause analysis do they send out after the fact? How quickly do they respond? And, you know, kind of validating their SLAs through their past behavior, I think are all great pieces of advice. But with that, let's finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Stu, Jonathan, and Joe for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. And if you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. I'm going to guess your title is like you are VMware guy or storage guy <laughs> or network guy, right? You are tied to some particular service that would now no longer be solely your control or that you don't easily get off the hook when something goes wrong. If you go to the cloud, they were like, yeah. well, yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a culture problem. That's not, that's not the cloud's issue.